And that was an awesome song, wasn't it? Yes, all five of you, yes. I, I love it because, you know, uh, it, it just, it's so haunting, right, when you hear the song. And uh, it's actually, listening to the song, it's the first time that I wish we actually had a fog machine in the church. Because <laughs> I feel like during that song, like the whole sanctuary should have been filled with smoke or something. And, and the foundations shake and God's robe, you know, just Isaiah 6. Oh, anyways, just, okay. It was an awesome song. Uh, today we continue in our series called uh, Don't Waste Your Life. Uh, today we're going to talk about don't waste your calling. Now when we think about calling, we have to understand uh, that's pretty nuanced, right? On one hand, God's calling for us is very unique and very personal to each and every one of us. Your story is not my story, and, and the journey that I'm on is not the journey you're on. So on one hand, God's call is very unique and specific. On the other hand, God's call is also very, uh, it's shared, and it's universal as followers of Jesus. And so we have to understand that the story of our lives, all the different uh, contexts and subplots that happen in our lives, uh, the story of our lives isn't about us. The story of our lives is swept up into God's larger story that he is writing. And so when we understand calling, it's under that umbrella. That God is writing this grand narrative, and we, as his followers, get to participate in that calling. And one of the ways we can understand this, as Scripture points out, is, is found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Some of you may be familiar with this passage. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples uh, after his resurrection. He says to them, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so this is the story that God is writing. This is the commission. Uh, and if you know this passage, this is actually called the Great Commission. And if you think of the word commission, think of it this way. It's a co-mission. It's a mission that God invites us into to cooperate with him and to join him in this world to bring about reconciliation and redemption to this world, all of creation and all humanity. And so that means for us as a church, that means that we are all sent out as missionaries, right? Missionaries aren't people who just go overseas. We are all missionaries. And so you are missionaries on God's mission, cooperating with him on his mission to your friends and neighbors and coworkers. We also send out missionaries all over the U.S. and all over the world, in fact, uh, allow me to uh, just briefly set up the context. Uh, we, we've sent, just last year, we sent out four families uh, to be missionaries. Um, we actually sent out hundreds of missionaries, right? We have alumni all over the world. But we, we sent out uh, the more traditional understanding of missionary. We sent out four families last year. Uh, you may be familiar with some of these faces. Uh, but Leah and Ben Welton, uh, we sent them out to Honduras, where they're working at an orphanage and uh, working as a nurse there. Uh, Michelle and Jason Cherry, they're located in Montana, and that's a picture of them doing some outreach in Thailand. We sent them out last year as well, too. Not only that, but uh, some of you remember Eunice and Ted John. Uh, they are preparing to go to Burundi, where he is involved in medical missions 
and they're looking to serve God there, as well as Kate and John Shaw, who are in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And this is the story and the context that we want to talk about a little bit as we talk about calling. Today, we have two very special guests who, who I want to introduce to us. But before I do that, I just want to set up uh, some of the context for the story that we're going to be sharing today. So John and Kate Shaw, as they left last year, John graduated with a PhD in African studies. He is like the premier expert in Congo history. Uh, They've gone there, and uh, Kate, she went there to start a primary school. This is a picture of one of the kids in the primary school that she's working at there. Uh, And John, he's gone there to the Congo in, in Beni, that's the name of the village, and he is the provost of a university, UCBC. I'm not even going to try to attempt to pronounce that in French, uh, but uh, the, the vision of UCBC is it's a Christian university training up emerging leaders, uh, being transformed to transform. And so uh, all of these ministries are actually under a larger umbrella, a ministry called the Congo Initiative, which Grace is a uh, partner with in the, in the Congo, uh, started by this man, David Kasali. Some of you may remember him. He was here actually a year and a half ago, uh, gave a sermon, a really powerful sermon about the life of Moses as he shared about his life and his story as well too. Um, You know, so you could see the partnership between grace and what God is doing in the Congo runs really deep and and wide. Not only that, but uh, on top of this, uh, this, another subplot in this partnership is there are some people here, right here at Grace, uh, that started a nonprofit organization called Niema. Niema in Swahili is grace, right? So there's a grace, uh, Niema, Congo, uh, that was established a couple years ago. Start, it started in partnership with John Shaw, who's the, the missionary uh, in Congo, along with Sush, who's one of our elders here and still comes here, as well as John Brinks, who's also a member here at Grace. Uh, Niema Congo uh, gives micro-grants to entrepreneurs, local entrepreneurs. This is a picture of some of the men and women who've received those grants, and we've empowered to really um, bring economic and spiritual good into their community as well as the gospel. Uh, this really is an uh, a incubator for all these leaders um, in, in, in that area. So this is just some of the, the, the characters that will be in the story that we're going to be sharing today. Uh, this isn't your traditional sermon, uh, as, as you would think of it. Uh, we'll be back to that next Sunday, Mother's Day, when we talk about don't waste your family. Um, but today, uh, we, uh, I want to introduce you to Ben and Lauren Lawson, if you would come up, and uh, we're going to hear some of their story. If you would join me in welcoming them. So thanks for joining us here uh, this morning. Um, So uh, let's just start off with uh, Lauren. Uh, How did your story uh, intersect with what God is doing in the DR Congo? Yeah, uh, so my my story actually starts a few years back when I was a super senior at the University of Michigan. And um, as I was coming close to graduation and just kind of like feeling the weight of decisions ahead, uh, I was asking God, you know, where do you want me? What do you want me to be doing? And, uh, and although that process was really beautiful in a lot of ways and I was growing closer to God, I also was approaching it very naively. Um, 
but nevertheless, God, God takes us uh, wherever we are in our process, and he shapes us and molds us through it, and, and he did that with me. Um, so actually, I was sitting in one of these seats one day um, when I heard Sush and Morgan Govindan uh, up on stage talking about their recent trip to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, and I had never thought about Congo before, but I was just captivated by the vision that they shared, this vision of transformation through, uh, through these, these leaders in Congo. And uh, so I, was, I was just felt really led to talk to them. And we, when we got together, and it turns out that my desire to use my education and skills for something beyond what I could see uh, really matched up with an actual need in Congo. Um, they were looking for a primary school teacher to help Kate and three other Congolese teachers to launch a primary school. Um, so with a lot of prayer, I kind of started walking into the unknown and, um, seven months later, I found myself in the back of a little sedan bounding along a very, very dusty, bumpy road entering Congo. (laughs) That's an incredible story. I think a couple things I just want to point out that you said that I think helps us understand what call God's calling looks like. I think first of all, you just coming and saying, God, what do you want me to do? Uh, so often we want to write our own stories and just being open to like how God is going to use you in his story. And then secondly, I, I think you mentioned something about like how you wanted to do something, be involved and serve in a way that was beyond yourself. I think that's one great way for us to understand like, yeah, our, our life is not about us. It's about serving others, serving God in that arena. So, uh, you know, you land in Congo, a uh, different country, a uh, different place, unfamiliar. What was it like there? So obviously there were cute kids, um, as we just saw, but, but what I realized internally is that uh, actually I hadn't recognized all of my romanticism about all this. Um, I, I thought I was a pretty like realistic, logical person, definitely a feeler, but uh, still a realistic feeler. And, um, but I even remember John Shaw at the airport uh, when I was arriving asking me, Lauren, what are your expectations for this time in Congo? And I kind of paused. I was like, I don't know. I, I don't really think I, maybe I don't have expectations. And any of you who have ever traveled, entered a different culture, or if you've ever had a close friendship, or if you've been married, you know that I, I definitely had expectations. I just was not self-aware enough to, to see those at that point. So after getting to Benny, the town where I'd be working, I, I pretty immediately realized that this was going to be hard, really hard. Um, I was engaging in a new culture with new people, new customs, new ways of greeting, and I was living even with a new family. And uh, what, what hit me was that I felt like a pretty fairly cultured, well-adjusted adult here in the U.S., and I went there, and I just remember being out of my depth. I, I just had this feeling of being a child. I needed help with absolutely everything, from buying phone minutes to getting from point A to point B. Um, so that just came as a huge surprise. Yeah, I'm sure. And not only that, from what I understand, uh, there was a lot of political violence that was happening just about the time that you got there uh, that caused a lot of confusion and chaos uh, in that region and for you. Can you share a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Unfortunately, about four weeks into my time in Beni, um, some of the rebel groups that had been living in the forest around our region became active, and uh, they began carrying out attacks on civilians uh, in the surrounding villages. And eventually, they came closer and were actually on the outskirts of our town. 
Um, so honestly, it was it was terrifying. Um, I mean, we were bolting up our windows every night, and uh, and I was leaning into God, but it didn't take me very long to realize that I was unraveling inside. Um, not only was my external situation a complete mess, um, but internally I was just questioning everything. Um, I mean, I really thought God had led me to Congo. I believed that. I thought I heard his voice. I thought that the Holy Spirit led me to talk to Sushin Morgan and uh, that this was orchestrated. And in my mind right then, I was just kind of crumbling because I was in actual physical danger and it, it just really rocked me. Um, and if at that point you had asked me, hey, Lauren, like our Christians promised an easy, safe life, I would have said no. Um, I mean, I had read the Bible. I had been in church long enough to know that as Christians, we're not promised safety and security. But that belief was strongly rooted in my head, and it hadn't really made it down to my heart or, or my gut reactions. So, so my first response to this situation was really just surprise. Like, oh my goodness, did I just miss this? Was this really what God had? Did I just get confused? Um, so as the violence was kind of coming closer and closer to where we were, we realized that our presence as international staff with Congo Initiative was, was putting somewhat of a burden on our Congolese leaders uh, who were kind of caring for us. So even though we wanted to stay in, in solidarity with them, we stepped out into Uganda for a week, um, just waiting for the violence to stop. And when it didn't stop, uh, that week turned into two weeks, and two weeks turned into a month, and finally, we were there for two and a half months, uh, just waiting for some sort of clarity or change. Man, two and a half months, yeah. that's, that's a long time, right? Yeah, was, and I, th I think what you're saying is something that many of us have experienced, where you feel like you're walking down a path that is what God has called you to. You encounter some challenges, obstacles, and even maybe darkness, and all of a sudden you think, man, did I miss God's purpose for my life? Is this what God had really had for me? Uh, you know, one, one quote I read somewhere uh, said, you know, um, we turn to God for help when our foundations are shaking, uh, only to find that it is God who is shaking it, right? And, and that's so true. And what were some of the lessons that you learned while you were there in Congo going through all of this? Yeah, I really resonate with that because of all, of all the 10 months I spent in East Africa teaching at the primary school or interactions in the community, that two and a half month period of, of really just floundering and like completely unraveling was the most formative time in my spiritual journey. And, and I think that's, that's because of, of this. Um, when, when we were still in, Con when we were uh, out in Uganda, we weren't sure how long this unstable situation would last. So I was actually toying with the idea of just coming back to the States. Um, because I was thinking maybe this was just a vision trip from the start. Maybe I had missed it and, and this was the plan and I should just come back. Um, and this whole time I was really, my heart was not at rest. And, and uh, the only semblance of peace that I really had was thinking about taking myself out of this unpleasant situation and just bringing myself back to what I knew. That was the only thing I could hold on to. And it was actually a counselor that I'd see a few weeks later in Kenya who completely transformed the way I was thinking about this. She, she introduced me to a phrase that I hadn't ever thought about, um, and that was the theology of risk and suffering. 
And I finally realized that there was a huge disconnect. Um, while in my head, I believed that suffering was part of the Christian life, this really sneaky assumption had overtaken me that, uh, that if I was really like in God's will, everything would be smooth. And so after realizing this, I started like studying scripture and digging in a little more, and God was really reshaping my thinking. And he was taking truth that I had always read or known about, but he was making it real. Like, like in Romans where Paul talks about sharing in Christ's suffering in order to share in his glory, or that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance leads to character and character hope. And like it finally dawned on me, oh my goodness, this is utterly countercultural to think that just maybe we should pause before running away from suffering. And so I finally realized that this wasn't a mistake, that my, my unraveling wasn't a failure, um, that I, I really hadn't missed God's plan, but this was God's plan. And he was patient enough to guide me through it. Yeah, I, I really love what you just said about, you know, this. you, you thought you, you had not missed God's plan, even through all the darkness and, and detours. This was God's pl- plan for you. Um, and, and I think what, what you're saying is so right. I, I think all of us would admit, yeah, as Americans, we have a very inadequate theology of suffering, right? At the first sign of suffering, we want to run away instead of actually sit in it and, and allow God to do his work in us. Uh, well, thanks, Lauren, for sharing that. Um, they, ben and Lauren are looking to go to the Congo uh, for a two-year commitment at least. Uh, they will be going in October of this year. Um, and so uh, let's, let me ask you, Ben, how did your story get uh, swept up into this larger story of Congo? Yeah, sure. Um, so honestly, I never anticipated I'd be moving overseas. In fact, I would probably be one of the last people you'd expect would agree or, or be interested in going on one of these trips and or doing work in Africa. Um, so to give some context for that, when I was in college, I went to this church that was really invested in global missions. They talked about it all the time. They had missionaries all over the place. And there's once they had this uh, kind of uh, uh, spiritual formation retreat or something like that. And I was there uh, with other college students. And one of the pastors who had, used, who had been a missionary in Indonesia gave this sermon about... Uh, about being open to going and being open to God's call. And he was even saying, like, you don't even need to be called. You can volunteer. You can say, like, God, pick me. I want to go. And so then after he gave this sermon, he handed out this sheet of paper and said, like, if you want to, like, declare that you're open to going, not that you want to go, not that you are going, but just open to being sent out overseas, sign your name on this paper. Well, I was probably the only person on the spiritual retreat that did not <laughs> sign sign his name on the paper <laughs> because I'm not afraid of saying no. <laughs> uh, and so just kind of give some how absurd it is that, that <laughs> God ended up doing this. Well, um, at the end of my senior year of college, uh, my church was putting together this three-week uh, mission trip to go support some missionaries in North Africa. And one of the leaders uh, came up to me and asked if I would go on the trip. And I very promptly said, no, <laughs> that's not my thing. Um, and he's like, well, how about you pray about it? And I was like, okay, well, that won't change anything, right? Uh, so sure, you can't really tell the pastor, like, no, I'm not going to pray about this. Um, hey, hey, Ben, would you pray about serving in the uh, children's ministry? Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
Uh, I'll think about it. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so I decided, like, yes, I, I will pray about this. And so, and I actually do. I pray about it. And to my surprise, I find myself agreeing to going on this trip to North Africa. Um, and, uh, and I don't even know in hindsight how that happened, to be honest. Um, but something about me is I'm, I'm very stubborn. I'm very reluctant to do new things. My wife knows. Uh, but once I decide to do something, I get really on board with it. So once I agreed to go on this trip, I started praying all the time. I started praying for our missionaries in North Africa, for praying for this upcoming trip. I started uh, praying for the global church and what God was doing uh, in various nations. And, and it was very transformative. Uh, and I went from like being stubbornly clothed, not even like willing to like write my name on a paper saying I'm open, because that would have been a lie, <laughs> uh, to like being really excited about global missions uh, by the time I went on this trip. Uh, and then I moved up to Michigan. I was living in Texas. I moved up to Michigan to get my PhD in physics at University of Michigan. And I was really uh, excited about missions. And I ended up marrying somebody who had done work in Congo. And here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're ready to go to uh, the DR Congo. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you'll be doing there. Yeah, sure. It, it kind of looks like from my story that my wife is kind of just dragging me along. <laughs> That's not totally true. Um, but uh, so I'm finishing up my PhD in physics at University of Michigan this summer. And it turns out uh, UCBC, the university, uh, has been looking for a, prof a professor of math and physics. Um, and there's just not a lot of people with, with that kind of training. And uh, so they send an invitation. You know, Lauren has connections. And they send an invitation uh, looking for a professor of math and physics. Um, and as you might imagine, there's not a lot of people in the physics community who are Christians. Uh, and I always thought that my, you know, uh, my career path would be either going to industry or going to academia. Um, and I never imagined that I'd be going to missions. And I thought that my unique role in the kingdom of God was I could share the gospel with physicists because a lot of physicists are very antagonistic to the gospel and maybe help shape some of their misconceptions or change their misconceptions, not shape them, I guess. Uh, and uh, that was kind of like a unique thing I could bring. And I knew that physicists needed the gospel. I never imagined that the work of the gospel needed a physicist. And so when I, when I heard this invitation from UCBC saying like, we need, like our, our goal is to raise up transformative leaders with critical thinking skills and we need a physicist to come help us do this. It was just kind of too like perfectly fit to ignore. <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of what I'll be doing. And honestly, like when we decided to go, I was really in a posture of openness, but not really submissiveness. Uh, I wasn't like saying like, God, how do you want to use my physics degree? Um, uh, but once I once we decided to go, I started learning about David Casali, who was the founder of UCBC. And David Casali's story is amazing. He was born in Eastern Congo, and if you're born in Eastern Congo, you don't always get the opportunity to go study outside of your country. But uh, through some miraculous circumstances, he was able to go study in Kenya and then get a doctorate in Chicago. And then in the early 2000s, when there was a real terrible war going on in Congo, he and his wife and his kids were living in Kenya, running a seminary, kind of training uh, uh, African church leaders. And he felt God calling him to go back to Congo. And 
so he goes to his wife and says, uh, I think God's calling us to Congo. And she goes, what, are you crazy? There's war in Congo. Uh, and he's like, yeah, but those are our people and those are God's people. And he's like, God gave me this education uh, and I want to serve him with it. So they go back to Congo in the middle of this war to go uh, start this university and raise up transformative leaders to cause change. Uh, and he treated his education like this gift. Uh, and he was willing to, he was willing to submit, to, submit it to God. Uh, and that's really hadn't been my attitude. And like after hearing a story, that's really changed my perspective. Like, you know, I kind of take my degree for granted. But maybe I can ask God, like, how do you want me to serve you with this thing that you gave me? Yeah, I think that is really radical because, again, you know, all, most of us feel like, you know, I, I've worked hard. I've done all the work. So uh, this degree that I've earned is something that I've done. And so it's really easy to feel entitled, like we have this right instead of really understanding it as a gift from God in order for us to serve other people. So I, I think that's really radical. And from what I know, too, uh, earlier this year, you received at least two job offers, one from a well-known company, uh, another from a well-known university, because, again, you want to do either industry or research. And uh, you turned them both down uh, because you felt this greater sense of calling. Um, and that had some repercussions, uh, not only with your friends, but your family, and in particular, with your parents. Uh, could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so... Uh, at the end of last year, we were debating uh, over a, a couple different job offers, what we were going to do, and one of them was going to Congo. And my parents, who aren't Christians, knew that we were considering it, but they never really thought we would decide to go. Um, and when we did decide to go, it was very hard. <laughs> so uh, my parents are, are not Christians, but they were supportive of me being a Christian as long as that didn't cause me to divert too much from the American dream. Like they wanted us to have security. Uh, they wanted us to have a nice house, a nice family and all those things. And uh, when I was Skyping with my mom and dad to tell them like, we're deciding we want to go to uh, serve at UCBC, uh, uh, they had this very negative reaction. And um, the men in the Lawson family tend to be very intellectually combative. And my dad wanted to try to convince me that this was a very stupid decision and, and furthermore that like I was being inconsiderate about my family and I didn't care about my family. So he asked me to like uh, list like what are all the worst case scenarios of things that could happen to you if you go. And he wouldn't relent until I would like tell him everything that could happen, which was really hard to say out loud. Uh, he's asking like, what could happen to your wife? And like during this whole time, my mom is like sitting next to him like, crying and it's just <laughs> terrible situation. And probably one of the very hardest things I've ever done in my life. And, uh, to him, uh, he looks at this in a cost benefit analysis sort of way. He's a smart guy. He's like, look, there's these heavy costs but there's really not that much benefit. Why would you decide to do this? This isn't good for you or your wife or your future. Um, but knowing Jesus, I, I have a totally different perspective on cost-benefit analysis because I look at the benefits, I say they're huge. It's amazing to get to go work for the gospel in, in Congo and to partner with the Congolese church to bring up transformative leaders and to get to like so into that and to pour into that like the, the, the riches of, of this opportunity are amazing. And so that's just kind of that disconnect because to me the cost benefit analysis is really on the benefit uh, and he just hasn't learned that yet. Yeah, you know, that, that's really amazing. I, you know, it reminds me of 
something I mentioned last week when I was talking about Jim Elliott, who famously said, uh, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And when I hear your story, I see that being lived out uh, just like many of us are living that out or trying to live that out uh, because, again, the, the pearl of great price, right? What God is calling to is so much greater. I, I think that's really amazing. Uh, it, I guess here's, here's the last question. How do we, as God's people, as a local body of believers, come, bes- walk along beside you, come behind you, and, and support you as, you as you take this next step? Yeah, uh, so right now we're actually raising support uh, what, it's really important for us to have a foundation of prayer supporters, and we also need financial support to actually go and be on the ground. Uh, but more than anything, we want to get to know you. Uh, so what we really hope is that you'd be interested in come get a co- cup of coffee with us so we can share more about our story and hear about your story. Uh, we don't want nameless, faceless uh, supporters. We want people we build a relationship with, people who can email us their prayer requests when we email them our prayer requests. So uh, after the service, we're going to be in the multi-purpose room. Uh, if, you, if any of this has stirred anything in you or resonates with you, please come by, talk to us, uh, and maybe we can set up a time when we can just sit down and have coffee and connect. Yeah, so that, that's the invitation. Uh, if Again, the multi-purpose room is straight through the back door. Uh, as you go to the, to the back door behind you, there's a double door to your left. Uh, ben and Lauren will be there. Uh, would love to meet you, talk with you. Uh, and let me just bring this together too. You know, when we talk about God's calling, right, that does not mean that you need to go to Congo and be a missionary like Ben and Lauren. Right? It does mean though, what it does mean is that the story of your life is not about you. The story of your life needs to be swept up into a larger story that God is writing and that we all have some part to play in, whether that, that's out in Congo or whether that's with your neighbors or your coworkers or school. There is a larger story that God wants us to be a part of, and he invites us in, right? It is a co-mission that, that uh, God invites us into. And so uh, that, that's, that's the challenge, and, and that's the uh, invitation that, that God brings to us today. Uh, uh, what I'd love for us to do is, just like in the New Testament, whenever uh, they would send out missionaries all over the world, uh, they would bring the elders uh, up and they would lay hands and they would pray for the missionaries. And so that's what I'd like us to do. Uh, I'd love to ask you to stand as uh, we all stand together. Uh, I'm going to invite the elders and pastors to come forward. And uh, if you would, as the body at Grace, just extend your hand forward as a way of uh, praying for, praying with uh, Ben and Lauren. And if you would join together as we uh, commission them uh, and send them off with our prayers and and God's blessings. And so, God, we just commit to you, uh, Ben and Lauren, as uh, we send them off. Uh, It's always a bittersweet uh, event Uh, as as friends and and, uh, people that we love are are sent away. And so, God, we just ask for your favor and and your blessing. Uh, We thank you for uh, being given this privilege to partner with you and with them, to be part of a larger story that you are writing. And and so, God, we just want to submit ourselves to you and, and help us to surrender to, to what you are doing. God, we pray for your, that your face would shine upon them and your blessing would go with them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.